Hello, Just Hands Nation. Just one major announcement today. I'll remember to book your seat for our live coaching event with Thinking Poker this March 25th and 26th. I'll act quickly since Thinking Poker has not yet announced the event on their podcast, meaning it will be much easier to guarantee the session you want if you book in the next week. For more information about that event, head to justhandspoker.com slash thinkingpokernyc, which is linked to in the show notes. Uh, and in lieu of other major announcements, we thought we'd cover a few basics. You can follow us on Twitter, at JustHandsPoker. Uh, and remember to review us on iTunes or whatever podcast directory you use. That really helps with our rankings and search results. And finally, consider becoming a Just Hands member to support the show and get much more than your money's worth in coaching and content. Uh, and you can find out more about that at JustHandsPoker.com slash membership. All right, guys. Thank you, and enjoy this week's episode. So let let me let's just jump right into it. I have like a whole Google Doc of freaking questions for you, man. So let's do it. By the way, if I can if I can say one thing, because it's like a hundred percent poker audience, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the skills that I learned from because I like I game selected and played heads up online well enough to make a decent amount of money like for me in the 07 to black Friday range, Mm -hmm. the skills I learned there for what I'm doing now, and maybe we'll go this direction with it. I don't know, but like are so much more valuable than anything I learned in school. 99% of what I learned in college, like dealing with variance, emotional control. Um, yeah, like the skills you learn in poker are just so applicable across other avenues it's like i don't know it's something that i took for granted while i was playing poker and i kind of wish i would have paid more attention to while i was playing the game just because it it helps in life yeah i couldn't agree more yeah obviously you're preaching the choir here uh <laughs> but no i really i really do feel that way and like we're jack and i are also both serious musicians and like i feel like for me both music and poker like kind of in pursuit of those things and becoming like more skilled in both of those crafts like they make everything else kind of seem easy, you know, like mm-hmm. really dealing with variants, dealing with your mental game, like moving up in the ranks in terms of thinking about strategy to a higher level. Like that shit is hard. You know, that takes time mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. So let, let's talk about a little bit your earlier poker career. What type of money were you making? What's you know, what stakes like what, what got you into the game? I got in the game when Chapin Nault, my seventh grade friend's older brother, rented rounders. And so, like, we watched that, and then we had the plastic chips out, and no one knew what they were doing. And, like, that was the introduction in middle school, um, probably in 10th grade with my high school friends. You know, everyone else was, like, I didn't drink in high school. I didn't party in high school. So when that's what other people in my grade were doing, there were first, like, four or five of us. But, it, it, like, poker got very popular in our school, um, just playing home games. We stole Brian Shoup's dad's credit card and made a $100 deposit on Ultimate Bet my junior year of high school and uh, would play like four of us, play, you know, $20 sit and goes, and then we run it up a little bit, $50 sit and go, $100 sit and go. And we had that close to 1000 and then Shoup like went and dumped off all the money and told us the next day like, hey, I lost it all. Uh, but got, got more serious and really started playing probably my sophomore or junior year of college, like actually reading two plus two stuff, paying attention, um, game selecting hard. Like I basically, the only reason I made money is because I 
I don't want to say bum hunted because I wasn't that aggressive about it, but I wasn't ever playing without, I had my, my HUD um, up and if there wasn't someone in like poker table ratings, like I was just aggressively looking everyone up on there and like I would beat guys who were worse than me basically. Uh, heads up to six max NL, um, mostly 50 cent dollar and one, two, and then 2010, 2011, if there were like I had the bankroll, so if there were good games or good heads up games, I'd play up to I think like fifteen thirty. I probably played five hundred hands there and played a couple thousand hands at five ten. Yeah. So yeah, that was, those, uh... and then and then you know April fifteenth, I was working an accounting job, hustling poker on the side with like a third of my net worth on absolute poker because I'm an idiot, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. Well, for for what it's worth, yeah, I. I lost what is still a large amount of money to me, but was like an unbelievably large amount of money to me at the time when I was a 15-year-old uh, playing an online poker. And then when it kind of when the money went away uh, after I kind of I, the money went away after I kind of stopped playing poker for a while, but kind of just thought, oh, I'll get it out when I get it out. Uh, and yeah, the the verification on withdrawals increased a little bit after the DOJ shut down, uh, you know, full tilt. So it, it was one of these no things way. where it's like, I wish I, I wish I like played under my dad's name or something, or like talked to my parents about it or something because I could have gotten the money, uh, but I could not have withdrawn the money because I was playing on my name. And I was, how uh, old are you now? I'm 20. I'm about to be 24, 23. And so you were, and so in like 2012 or 2013, when Stars finally paid that money out, or I don't know like exactly how that worked, but Coltel paid it out, uh, you were 18, but, but they knew that you hadn't been 18 the whole time? Well, I didn't bother to like try to submit. I talked to a friend of mine who's a lawyer, and they said that like it would just be very unlikely for you to get money and like very likely for you to have a lot of issues with your... like bank account and like potentially unlikely to get like prosecuted but like very likely to get like flagged in terms of like your financial uh yeah your finances so got it it's brutal man uh, did i i went for it <laughs> <laughs> well i i had a i had a carbon poker account uh it was i made it under my own name when i was 17 and then i like being to tournament and i like wanted to with, withdraw some of it uh and so i just sent them like my like a photocopy of my id which was like wrong but it was only i used my real birthday just the wrong year so there was like only one number off and it just went through uh <laughs> they just i don't know if there was a it was apathy or just they didn't notice I- but yeah it worked out I doubt. Right. I doubt they like checked your ID and then like missed the number. I think it was more of just like, you know, they're not checking super hard. They're just like, they they have to say that they looked at the document that you submitted. Where with like stars, you know, it's like you actually submitted your paperwork through the DOJ. Yeah. No. This was this was a different animal. Yeah. Uh, for better or worse, I did not have very much money on full tilt when it <laughs> when it went down. Well, full tilt and start like, and it's completely on me for playing on a softer site for better games that was shady and had a history of like being incredibly, incredibly shady. But yeah, 
Anyway, you know what? I'm actually I'm actually on a Gmail thread that still gets bumped every once in a while. It's been it's been five and a half years, and and guys are like, you know, let's reach out to this senator or reach out to like this woman in this office. And it's like, guys, it's been five and a half years. Like, the money's gone. We're not getting. Yeah, the money. that's the thing. Even if you could prove like the people that did this, and then like go through like a giant legal process to like find that they're you know, liable in a civil claims court, they're not going to have the money. There's no know? money. Yeah. Money's gone. <laughs> it's like we need to move on and focus on something new, which most have, I, I assume. But yeah, yeah, it's for, for, and like particularly for guys who were, had like for supporting families on that and like had a lot of money on there. Like, I can't even imagine how they stomached that. But at this point hearing, like getting an email like, I need my 2500 bucks. It's been five and a half years. It's like, all right, guy, like it's gone. Yeah. No, it was weird. I remember like watching some of those like Phil Goff on PLO videos where he like didn't really carefully like edit certain parts and you see just like seven figures on full tilt. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Liquidity. So, so before I kind of rattle off these fitness questions for you mike do you want to yeah. do you want to plug your stuff i th- think you have a lot of stuff worth plugging so take your time we're here here's my plug i i'm a strength coach and uh i have no interest in selling any of you guys anything i put a lot of content on the internet for free my blog has a lot of good resources which i'm sure will be linked somewhere uh snapchat instagram youtube like i'm pumping out content in all those places i'm trying to help people um that's it. That's my game. I have enough online coaching clients. Uh, yeah, like follow me. And if you like my stuff, great. Share it. If not, like forget about it. But um, I, I do, I work hard to, there's so much shit in the fitness industry and so much deceit and so much lying and so many guys on steroids who are lying about it, like selling $300 eBooks and just, there's so many scams that I think giving a ton of value in the near term leads to equity and like leads to good things in the long run. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm about. That's perfect. Cool. Well, my plug, let's, let's, let's start with the kind of the, the fitness stuff and something I've, I've always wanted to ask you or to get to get your opinion on, uh, and this kind of like a general topic and forgive me if there's some content about that that addresses this, but have you ever experimented with the ketogenic diet and do you have any opinions on, kind of doing that i know i know your thing is is not about like uh promoting something that is very difficult for most people to do but assuming it it is possible to do and it doesn't take that much what what are your thoughts on that that thing i'm for it um here is why i'm for it for the purposes of fat loss look better feel better if it aligns with your lifestyle meaning being able to keep carbohydrates under 50 under 30 maybe even like sub 20 per day uh which for any of you guys who haven't tracked um your macronutrients or like paid attention to proteins carbs fats and foods is incredibly low um the ketogenic diet isn't necessarily better than being in a calorie deficit eating fewer calories than you burn but eating a normal amount of carbs and not being in ketosis uh the scale moves down early on faster on a ketogenic diet because when we eat fewer carbs, we retain less water 
So like it's really, it's fat loss, but it's also water weight that's driving the scale down, which is amazing for people because they see that seven pounds in the first five days and it's motivating. You know, they don't need to know that it's a pound or pound and a half of body fat and five pounds of water. Like it's like, okay, this is working. I'm going to stick with this. Um, and so I like it in that regard. Yeah. I, I just, I'm not married to one type of philosophy when it comes to nutrition or strength training. So I have a client who I've been working with whose office, like the the 10 or 12 people in his group, were all going to get on a ketogenic diet. And he asked me, he's like, is it cool if I do this? Because I, I think it'll be easier for me to stick to my nutrition with everyone else being on the same page. It's like, absolutely. And so I gave him keto macros. Um, I'm not changing anything about his strength training. Uh, it wasn't very high volume to begin with, three or four days a week, 45 to 60 minute sessions. And he's enjoying it. But yeah, if, if it fits one's lifestyle, I'm all about it. And by the way, as far as other, like not just body comp and strength related aspects of keto, but how it impacts the brain, uh, like how it impacts blood work. I'm not red. Like there are so many smarter people than me on that subject that for me to try and go on a tangent about that would just be, I would look like an idiot. Yeah, that you'd look like an idiot, but uh, yeah, I think it might be a good, good to defer that to the experts. Zach, do you have any questions about fitness in terms of the poker lifestyle? I think that'd be. You mean not just like my selfish questions that I know. Uh, so yeah, fitness in the poker lifestyle. Yeah, what are some of the like ways you recommend strategies for? keeping good snack like keeping your macros where you want them and eating high quality food while traveling or while maybe like going to the poker room i know for me when i have access to my own kitchen and i'm across the street from this amazing farmer's market here in ohio it's real easy to like cook great meals good whole food eat the type of food that i want but when i'm traveling or let's say i'm putting a lot of volume at the poker table um it's a lot harder so what are some strategies you have and what's been kind of your experiences because i know you've travel a lot and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm going to operate under the assumption that most of these guys or girls have a goal that is lose some body fat, be more toned, be stronger, have more muscle, feel better. Um, and one strategy that comes to mind right away, particularly for live poker players or traveling, is uh, playing with meal timing. And what I mean by that is we used to think that you had to eat every five to six hours to stoke the metabolic rate, burn as many calories as possible, which ended up not being true. We learned in the last eight to nine years that it's actually the total number of calories we eat that impacts that component of metabolism. So if you have 2,500 calories split up in two big meals versus six small meals, there's no benefit to either physiologically. Uh, So for a poker player, I think Using water, using coffee, using any other caffeine sources, I'm even okay with the occasional sugar-free energy drink to maintain a fasting period, um, which has, like, there's a little bit of research that shows increased cognition there, which is beneficial to playing poker, obviously, but then being able to have a snack and a huge meal or two good-sized meals at the table, um, I think that's something that's really interesting and that a lot of poker players should focus on is finding a meal timing strategy that really works. Uh, And 
it's so hard because schedule consistency, like you're planning on going to bed at 3 a.m., but there's a really good game and you stay up until 8 in the morning, like that throws off your entire week or who knows, maybe your next month, depending on what you're doing. Um, so it's hard, but trying to find some semblance of a schedule and knowing, okay, I'm going to order, I'm going to pack what I can, fruits, protein bar, uh, like raw vegetables if you want to, but these casinos have good food too if you want to order it. Like it just, it doesn't have to be the real oily lo mein with fried whatever. It can be double chicken on the salad that has a decent amount of vegetables. So thinking about dropping meal frequency and having bigger meals less often is something I'd suggest. Yeah, I think that's a great idea for people who are putting in eight-hour sessions. And I think a big problem with food at the casino is not necessarily lack of options, but just cost. Uh, yeah. The good food tends to cost a little bit too much. It's nice if the where we play in Cleveland is like actually right downtown. Uh, so on a one-hour dinner break, you can get to Chipotle uh which is awesome but yeah I, I mean at a lot of casinos where your only options are you know what's on campus uh i think that's really amazing advice yeah yeah and the same can be said with training frequency if you're playing in a tournament and those are long days and even if you're just playing cash but it's on a two-week trip and you want to be logging a ton of hours um Doing two full body workouts per week for 60 minutes each is enough to maintain and make a little bit of progress. You know, it doesn't have to be lift seven days a week or do something seven days a week. And when a poker player can wrap their mind around the fact that I'm going to do the highest ROI activities in the gym, multi joint movements, and pretty intense in the five to 12 rep range just twice a week for that period of time like i think that's a big win because a lot of us have an all or nothing mentality if you wanted to work out every day and on the second day you missed your workout it kind of throws you off screw it i'll reset in two weeks when i'm you know when i get back from aruba or wherever you are um yeah i just applying that highest roi to training frequency as well as nutrition yeah well we're big optimizers on this podcast so you're definitely speaking our language i like it yeah, no, it's funny. So Jack and I, I guess maybe we'll let this out, Jack, but I think our listeners, it's about time they know. So start, starting starting in April, we're going to be beginning the Just Hands Across America tour uh, where we're going to be kind of driving all around the U.S., East Coast, West Coast, South, not so much the Midwest, um, and you know, playing a lot of poker, putting up even more poker content, starting some type of vlog type thing that is in the works. Um, and hopefully doing series of like seminars and like talks at casinos. Uh, and we're going to be on the road a lot and Jack and I both try to optimize our, our health and our, and our fitness. And I'm definitely, you know, a little concerned for this, like, you know, at least two month on the road, like how are we going to make this all work? Uh, because I definitely noticed like after it over a week, not having access to a gym, um, I know it's a big difference, you know, in how my body feels. And there's only, there's of course great body weight workouts, but as you know, there's 
it's it's tough. So I, I think that advice is going to serve not just our listeners but us. And if you have any advice for us personally about like you know, do you have a, a car? Gym well, so I'm moving to New York City, and I actually just just pulled the trigger on the fancy schmancy Equinox membership because I got to have the sauna. So I'm really exci- <laughs> I'm really excited for that. Uh, but then after that, we're gonna. I don't think it's gonna make sense financially to have a gym membership just because we're going to be in so many different places. But that being said, if there's some type of national gym membership that you know of, that's like maybe like 20, 30, 40 bucks a month, it could probably make sense. 24. I mean, I'm not positive here, but planet fitness, 24 hour fitness, like and planet fitness gets laughed at it's $10 a month and they have dumbbells up to 75 tons of machines. That's a a really good investment. Those chain gyms that are all over and you have, do a little more research because I'm not positive exactly, but yeah, for 20 or 30 a month, you can even get the overnight gyms that you can have a, a fob thing to get into on your own any time of day. Um, assuming, I don't know where exactly you'll be on these tours, but yeah, they exist in a lot of cities. Cool. Well, that's, that's some good advice. We'll definitely look up like the cities we're planning on going to and see, uh, you know, which of these chain gyms, they have the most locations. And yeah, like you said, like if it's only 10, 23 a month, like if we get in a few workouts, it's probably worth it. So mm-hmm. yeah. 100%. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not so worried about finding uh cheap gym access in like the Miami area or like LA, but in, uh, you know, Baton Rouge, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, the the YMCA the YMCA in Jackson Mississippi probably has a three dollar day fee is my guess. All right. Yeah. That's a you know one stop <laughs> check. And I I actually I've I've yeah that's uh, a good idea that the YMCA is. So I, I still have my old gym ID from the YMCA in Jerusalem, and uh, there's some stuff written like in Hebrew, so. I've actually used YMCA's for free in the U.S. just because, like, it's not clear when the membership has ended. <laughs> so we, we can we can hit That's that. Amazing. Um, but yeah, but then just loading up the car too with whatever you can. You're going to be driving all over, so obviously you don't want to live off of protein bars and beef jerky. Like anyone knows, that's not optimal health. But that sounds fun though. <laughs> yeah, but, but like to supplement meals when you're in a pinch, things that are non-perishable. A good protein powder, um, you know, if once a week you buy a few apples, a few bananas, a few oranges, just so you have those as snacks. If you're really hungry, you're in a pinch, grab one of these instead of some other worse option. Um, that makes sense too. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Zach, uh, you're mentioning some entrepreneurship questions. I think it might be a good time to change gears. Yeah, so um, I, I just kind of wanted to ask you it's it seems from the you know what i read and what i see from you that you're really passionate not just about fitness but about kind of this entrepreneurial lifestyle and like putting out content and like helping others and i i imagine that a large percentage of our listeners would at least be interested in potentially integrating like a side hustle or you know starting that thing that they've been thinking about for a while and i would just love for you to talk about kind of your journey as an entrepreneur and like what you think kind of the benefits are and also the the downsides yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, so th- the benefits are since these social media platforms started coming out, 
every year more and more attention has been focused there off of traditional media, magazine, newspapers, television, onto like this, a phone on the podcast, like Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and we can storytell on those. And storytell means like, we can sell things, we can advertise, we can put content, put information out that helps people. Um, and every individual can do it themselves, right? Like, so to take things a half a step back, I trained Gary Vaynerchuk in the gym, who's a, the CEO of a 750-person uh, digital media shop, um, like a modern-day madman, but also to, like he has a large personal brand on the internet, uh, a motivational personality, which people are attracted to, and then has many other entrepreneurial ventures. So I trained him every single day for two years. Um, his view on social media and just kind of the attention of the end consumer is something that rubbed off on me in a huge way through that process. And, uh, and so the way I think about the way I think about entrepreneurship in 2017 is it's a way to have as much control as possible over your outcome, over your finances, over your job security or the type of work you do. Uh, because I don't know if the listeners are paying attention, but there's no gold watch at retirement anymore. Like there isn't company loyalty. There isn't, there isn't any of that. You're a cog in the wheel. And if you are working a job, you're doing that because assuming they're doing something right, they're making more money off of you than they're paying you. And, uh, this isn't like a soapbox. Everyone should be an entrepreneur because I don't think that's the case. And we'll get into like downsides in a second. But, um, I think even if you work a job, it makes a lot of sense to be putting content out like around anything, it, it, whether it's around just your life or around a specific experience, because that attention from other people um, and that growing attention can be leverage in the future, even if you don't know how you want to use it right now. Like right now, I just said, I don't want to sell more, like I don't want more online coaching clients, but I'm still putting out content because at some point in the future, I might want to use this leverage to sell a book, to could do anything with. So I, 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 yeah, I think that uh, putting content in the places where people pay attention is something that everyone should consider doing because it's free and uh, and like you have complete control. Downsides though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's the obvious like no salary, right? If you know that every other Friday you get paid X dollars and you can allocate that towards your budget. Like there's security in that. Um, I think a less obvious downside and one that I struggled with and still do to an extent is that like putting, like being vulnerable online and dealing with negative backlash requires very thick skin. And like as much as it's easier to laugh at trolls in the YouTube section when you're not the one on the video, like getting made fun of kind of thing, you know, like it's, it's, uh, yeah, just there's, there's a real decision that needs to be made when you put yourself out there to have a personal brand. Um, because you deal with, you deal with haters, you deal with like people telling you you're an idiot. 
I got an email this morning that said like you fucking suck dick was the subject line and there was nothing in the email. <laughs> All right, man. Like, what? I don't know what I did to make you so mad, but there's just and that doesn't happen super often, luckily. But um, that's one downside for sure. That's just kind of crazy because like you don't really seem like that controversial of a guy, you know? Like, you know. <laughs> I should be more like <laughs> yes, I completely agree. Which which just makes me think that like. You know, my buddy Grego Gallagher runs a fitness YouTube channel called Kino Body, and he's much more polarizing. Um, <laughs> they spend a lot of money on advertising, and like his message is very clear cut. Like intermittent fasting, like this is what works. Train three days a week, do this, and he he lives in a mansion and like rents cars and and does stuff like that, and kind of shows it off, which gets clicks, but it gets clicks from super fanboys and it gets clicks from like he gets more hate than any of my other friends in the space so yes you're right i even even not being a controversial figure like people just love to hate we've gotten a little bit of hate mail oh you know Uh, what jack let me find it we've never read it let's (laughs) it was it was so funny this is amazing i think i think i got it i got it i got it oh you did yeah And I'm going to, there's a lot of spelling mistakes and just hilarious formatting things in here that, you know, maybe we'll publish the exact text, but, but j- just to way, keep in mind, we're, yeah. We're, we're laughing at this and you guys might just be way thicker skin than me and I'm soft and that's cool if that's the case. But <laughs> when it kind of initially feels like a punch in the stomach and I have to like think through like, do I actually suck and not anyway? Well, this this doesn't just because it was so idiotic, but we did so get we did get one um, some listener feedback, and I don't want to get like too specific, don't want to out this person, but we got some listener feedback that I think at least for me hurt me a little bit at first, but then I just like responded thoughtfully, and we kind of had a conversation about it, and then it, it was cool. It was somewhat of a misunderstanding, Jack. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Also, I'll I'll add that like. It's a lot more difficult to troll us since our main uh, outlet is a podcast. Right? Like, uh, once we transition more towards video, I think the ease to hate is going to be a lot, or we're just going to get a lot more negative feedback. Especially when we do uh, the shirtless poses with Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Holding the puppy or holding the ice cream. Yeah. Uh, okay. So here, here goes, guys. I listen to many audio poker products, <laughs> including podcasts. I have been playing for what seems like longer than either of you two have been alive. So far in each episode, I've been disappointing about what seems to be a lot of mistakes, parentheses, strategy-wise, which likely result from knowing the outcome of hands, then talking about them. But this last episode, open parentheses, that I listened to, where one of you talks about playing a fella in his mid-60s and saying he may be tilted, then the other of you chimes in talking about how people, I'm guessing oldish people, but you can lie if you wish, bring other problems to the table, hilarious, just so off-base and punkish. You certainly are not anyone I want to listen to. Just a couple of punk asses. Yeah. I mean... People, like, everyone's fighting a battle. Everyone's, like, got something going in their life. And clearly, like... (laughs) You know, that's how I try to look at situations like that is, 
all right, man, whatever you're dealing with, I hope like, I hope it's all right. We didn't mean any harm at your generation. <laughs> that's that's, I, that's I the will, mature way to look at it. <laughs> yeah. I will point I out that like, even on just the hand we, we just recorded, like when discussing poker at the low stakes, especially, I think there are some like sort of ages tendencies, which maybe aren't like the result of true ageism, but it's just the type of profiling that's necessary. Uh, and that profiling is normally that like the older you are, like the more I think you're probably like a total fish. Uh, and it's just, it's just the way things work mathematically in poker. And I, I think it's possible that we offend people uh, who don't understand that, but I guess just as a shout out to like our listeners who are, who do skew older, uh, you know, we, it's not a matter of like disrespecting, I think, another generation as much as it's just a necessary consideration at the poker table. And I don't think that this particular like letter reflects uh, the beliefs of many, if any, of our listeners. Uh, but I do think it's worth throwing out there that like, while this is not necessarily the outlet or like the way to convey this to us, uh, I do I would understand if like people, you know, of a certain demographic could find. Uh, the way we talk about their demographic offensive. Uh, Yeah. I mean, and I'd also say that like a lot of other poker players engage in a lot of other profiling as well when kind of uh, discussing hands, which from my experience, like it just, that also just isn't particularly helpful. You know, like with my sample size, I don't notice a difference between like black guys and white guys in terms of like, you know, pre-flop tendencies and like you know what they're doing post-flop in terms of bluffing frequencies age is really the only thing and gender to a small degree but to be honest my sample size with women is very small because there's very few women that play poker uh i think also age is so much more important than gender like i think older women tend to adopt the same behaviors as the older men uh you know and, and the same is true for younger women yeah, and, and it also works both ways. Like, haven't you ever kind of got berated for opening six hands? Oh, in a row? yeah. And then you're like, the young kid think you can run over the table. Like, yeah, th- there was one hand early on for my poker career that really kind of stuck with me. This is like one, two at the horseshoe. I've probably like 21 and a half or something, maybe even younger than that. And I'm um, just like raising a ton of hands at a nine handed table probably a little too loose than optimal but one of these days where you just get like all these like hands that you should be opening and the table's already a little bit too tight uh and i like keep raising this guy who limps next to me he's like probably in his 60s or 70s and he calls after a limp folding a lot and the flop some like relatively wet board and and i completely miss and it's three ways it checks and then he like goes all in for like seven times the pot like takes off his glasses, looks at me, and he's and he's like, you know, now it's time to see like what you're really made of. Bold. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know I I'm I feel lucky enough that like I take that in stride and rarely like, you know, it's not gonna like really tilt me at the table. But at the same time, like I think there's a lot of players like especially those that maybe aren't working on their games that are like my age or a little bit younger, where like if you're in the old demographic, you don't want to be doing that to them you know don't tap the glass 
and there's mm-hmm. definitely a lot of fish who are my age. Like it's a lot more common now in 2017 than it might have been like five years ago. Um, I think to have like younger players that are that are worse. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny like how that happens. There's so the two five player pool in Cleveland is pretty small. Five uh, ten, I've never seen run. Or actually, that you told me about one time there was like a five ten round by round that somehow came up, and I whatever. I'm jealous. Yeah, I played uh, it, I played it for like two orbits, and then I was like my seventh hour of play, and then I got stuck two k really quick, and I was just like, "This is a good game," but I I'm just I'm just gonna go. <laughs> but anyway, there's there's one guy who you know I've I've played with a lot, and we've developed a nice rapport, and like. We're very friendly. This like old man, like I hate you, like you know, for playing this game. And it's so it's like it's such like a contrast because like, you know, if I decide to leave, he's like, no, come on, stay, stay, stay. And then as soon as I raise over his limp, it's like, are you raising every time? Like, why do you raise every time? <laughs> it's true. But, yeah, I do raise his limp almost every time. Uh, <laughs> As you probably should. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about that at all when I uh, when we when we heard our hate mail because it just doesn't bother me at all. Uh, yeah. Well, Mike, we want to be respectful of your time. Yeah. Uh, if you wa- want to plug something again, go for it. Nah, I just want to like somehow redeem myself to anyone who still thinks I'm an idiot for folding two aces. <laughs> like, if you're still if you're still uh, listening to me talk and. Uh, yeah, I just want you back on my side. Oh no, no, no! I don't think anyone's thinking thinking on those lines. Uh, Thanks. We Bob. have a lot of really smart people send us just hands that they butchered way worse than uh, than yours. And honestly, uh, not to call out any guests in particular, but it's so much easier to. Uh, tell someone like you that yeah you made a mistake then someone who comes on the show as a professional that we like you know eyebrows go up and we sort of gently yeah that's it's like that was really smart of you and you're really great but uh yeah so yeah i think the listeners will appreciate that we can be a little bit more candid good yeah we glad i had i i personally felt like i was able to just be honest and go kind of in because of you know the personality that i get from 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 your content and the fact that you know you don't have as much ego wrapped in of like being amazing at poker as most of our guests but there have certainly been many much bigger maybe not cert- like maybe not like huge mega mistakes in like a lot of the podcast but definitely like lapses in thought way worse so i think that's like the important thing like yeah i think you made a big mistake in the ace's hand but i think you like thought it through pretty clearly and then just made a hero float on the river versus like not thinking about ranges like well which is like yeah 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 and it's also if any listeners think that uh that the beard the groomed beard man had a ton of twos in his range i want you to tweet at me (laughs) and make me feel better (laughs) at mike (laughs) mccarthy Yeah, and I, I also think like it, we you you should feel a lot better about making a mistake in terms of like misranging someone or like maybe slightly misreading like how you were perceived rather than that's a much better mistake to make than to one not be thinking about someone's range or to like 
think about someone's range totally incorrectly in terms of like the fundamentals of like how the math works and uh, or mental game issues and, and those sorts of things have definitely pro- popped up on the podcast. Uh, so yeah. And I, I mean, you speak so well about the fitness uh, and entrepreneurship that I don't think anyone's going to even remember the hand, you know, when we get to this portion of <laughs> well, the show. Thank you. No, this is fun guys. Thank you for having me on. Yes, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for coming yeah. on. I hope to see you in New York. Uh, we'll be in touch, man. Yeah, the home game. Let me know. Yeah. Well. All right. Uh, peace, guys. Bye. All right, see ya.